Today on the pod, we figure out what a church planting network actually does. There's always three things in church planting, finding the location, finding a person, and finding funding. A network help does all those three things. What do you need to start a church planting network? And it usually takes just a few people to create change and to promote good gospel And we get a sneak peek at next week's guest. Hopefully we will have John Morant on our church planning podcast very soon. episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Welcome to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. We are thankful that you are listening. We have a wonderful guest with us this morning. It's Reverend Clint Wilkie. He is the coordinator of the Mid-South PCA Church Planning Network. That is an organization, a ministry that exists to foster church multiplication in Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, and West Tennessee. Clint is a catalyst for planting. We're excited to hear from him. We have some questions for Clint this morning about how presbyteries can plant churches, why presbyteries should plant churches, how networks can assist churches and presbyteries in the formation of new churches. But before we begin, we have some exciting news that we would like to share with you, and that is that the Memphis Grizzlies are third in the West behind the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. And as a Memphian, that's something that we are excited about. Hopefully, we will have John Morant on our church planning podcast very soon. Uh, I think that we can do that. That shouldn't be an issue. So stay tuned for the front runner for the NBA MVP. But Uh, Seriously, the exciting news is the 242 Renew Conference that will take place in Memphis at Independent Presbyterian Church. Clint, would you, first of all, welcome, and secondly, would you give us some details on that conference? Yeah, yes. Good morning, Hunter. Uh, Thanks for having me on. Privileged to talk about what we're doing here in the Mid-South. Yeah, the 242 Renew Conference really began as as an idea about two years ago, pre- kind of COVID, and we were we were hoping to have this in April of 2020, and obviously I had to push it uh, to 2022, and we had reached out to our main plenary speaker, uh, Dr. Erwin Entz, who's out of D.C., and he was going to, he, he was scheduled to be our speaker then, and he's our, scheduled to be our speaker now, but his roles have changed, so uh, not only is he uh, leading uh, work in thinking through gospel renewal in D.C. and beyond, he's now thinking about it for the PCA, as our new uh, coordinator pro tem or pro, our coordinator elect. So we're very grateful that he is, is gonna lead us in a lot of great conversations about renewal. So a lot have said, well, you know, I thought you were a church planting network. And yes, we are. But what we are finding out, and I know Hunter, as you did this work for a season as well, what we're finding out is renewal and church planting go together because the gospel 
of God into salvation is that same powerful work of the Holy Spirit that brings regeneration and sanctification or, or starting new things and renewing things by the power of the gospel. So one of the goals was to get pastors and their staffs and their wives together for a few days in Memphis just to talk about ministry and what they have learned pre-pandemic going into the pandemic and then during COVID because a lot of pastors, as we have recognized on many different social media platforms and several articles being published, uh, 38% uh, or more pastors are thinking about leaving the ministry altogether. And so in God's kindness, when we conceived of this back in 19, we're trying to bring it in 20, we had no idea all the things that God was going to do in our world. And now more than ever, right, we really need to think about renewal for our churches, for our pastors, their well-being and their health. And as a good friend that many of us know, uh, an older man in the PCA who's, who's loved us and encouraged us along the way, Jim Hatch, would always say in a lot of meetings with him, all churches need to be doing church planting kinds of things. That is reaching out, looking for opportunity to meet new people in new places. So we're excited about the conference because interestingly enough, eight of the participants who will be speaking are actually from this area or have served in this area for a season. So they know the Mid-South region, and we're sort of saying the Mid-South region for this conference really is to Nashville, Huntsville, Birmingham, Montgomery, uh, the, the coasts of both Alabama and Mississippi coast, as well as Baton Rouge, Jackson, Little Rock, and Memphis. But I already have friends coming from far beyond that. But we wanted to have a conference a regional conference that could have everybody come within close to a three hour, four hour drive. It's 72 hours, really Monday night to uh, really 48 hours, Monday night to Wednesday night, meals to begin and meals to end worship and singing. And one of the things I think we're trying to do as we've shaped this with all of our conference speakers and workshop leaders, seminar leaders, is we really want it to be um, not another conference of an information dump. We want good content, great teaching, which we know we will receive, but really thinking through together, how do these particular ministry disciplines impact our church and our desire to be renewed in the gospel and to plant churches together? So uh, I'm very excited about who's coming. So Clint, some of the seminars involve leadership, women's ministry, church planning, campus ministry, revitalization, who can come and the cost and how do they, first of all, what is the date and then how do they register or how do they gain more information? Yes. Great. Yeah. It's April 18th to the 20th at independent press. Uh, they can register on the mid South church planting page um, or any of the social media sites, but they're, you know, they'll, they'll be seeing it through M and a, they'll be seeing it through mid South lots of social media platforms to register. It's $150, $49 a couple and $99 a person. And that's for early registration. And then after that, it will go up um, somewhat. Um, I think your your other question was, uh, who will be speaking or did you just say- No, who can, can people, because oh, yeah. who can yeah. come? Is this a PCA oriented event or can people outside the PCA attend? Yeah, people outside the PCA can attend, and we hope they do attend. We obviously have a lot of ministry partners in the PCA because of who we are, uh, but we'd love for you to invite your friends and ministry partners in your particular town. So 
at Presbytery last week, I, I said, please bring your wives, bring your staff folks, bring your female staff, youth staff, to come learn for a few days what's going on there, what's going on in the PCA and how we can be of service to each other in our areas. Hey, Clint, this is Josh Kynes. Uh, so good to, to have you on the podcast today. And I thought I'd uh, start our conversation uh, around um, church planning through uh, networks uh, by just asking a question about why, why, why should presbyteries, uh, presbyteries think uh, multiplication um, in the context of the way they do ministry. I want to, um, I want to kind of preface that with just that, you know, our listeners, um, many of them uh, are not actually uh, from Presbyterian uh, churches or denominations. And so when we, when we talk about how do we, how are we doing church multiplication through our presbyteries, what we, you know, as the Presbyterian church works, we are gathered around geographic boundaries, certain regional boundaries in which we, uh, groups of churches are all under that kind of Presbyterian hub. And then in that kind of collection of churches, we um, work together in supporting each other and have accountability and encouragement and business of the church together. In that context, um, the network is, that's one of the primary ways and places where you are doing um, or pursuing church multiplication. Uh, tell me why Presbyterians need to be uh, invested in, involved in, and, and really desire to be partnered alongside uh, networks like yours. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Good, good to hear from you this morning. Um, in my experience of, of being involved as a presbyter in two different presbyteries, we have always have places where there are needs. And interestingly enough, right, all of our presbyteries and many of our churches started off at one time as church plants. So presbyteries, at least in our denomination, have promoted the work. And we really can't plant churches in our denomination without presbytery help and approval. And so what the network does is try to come alongside those presbyteries uh, as of someone who commits uh, most of their time, if not all their time, helping to think through people for places, places that would be most useful, to, uh, most helpful to reach with the gospel, because every, again, every presbytery, every church in those areas is thinking, I know there's needs that need to be met. I know there are people that are lost who need to be found. And so how can we be good stewards of the Great Commission? We think working with presbyteries as a church planting network is a way to be obedient to the great commission. So I think we just, uh, one of the, one of the other things that may be a question later, but I think I can dovetail that in now is that the chairman and those who lead committees, and I've served on committees for years in presbyteries, they don't have the capacity to think about locations, people, places all the time. They have full-time jobs as pastors. And so the network allows conversations to continue that would normally just fall off from meeting to meeting. This creates, obviously, I have people call me all the time. What's going on in the Mid-South? Where are you church planting? I would like to be considered as a planter. So I do, I do a lot of recruiting and assessing to find people that we think would be good fits in the four presbyteries that the Mid-South represents. So it's a huge geographical area. And there's a huge need because of the opportunities we have in a growing context. Even the Mid-South is exploding in growth. The greater Memphis area, North Mississippi, exploding in growth. And so these are people, these are places that uh, do not have opportunity uh, to be reached. Maybe there's lots of good gospel preaching churches, but in our press space, how can we be a part 
of the Great Commission with other churches in our areas. Clint, what are, you know, we're Reformed, we're Presbyterian, we work within the confines of presbyteries. You mentioned accountability and helping one another, praying for one another. Uh, there's, there's so much good that comes from being a part of a presbytery in terms of gospel ministry. But what are some of the difficulties that exist within a presbytery when it comes to the focus of church multiplication? Um, this is a, this is something I think we can celebrate, but it's also, I think, uh, a part of the struggle and problem we have in planting and promoting gospel work together. And that is there, God is actually doing some really good things in many of the churches in our area. We just don't know about them and we don't celebrate them. We don't learn from others. We're sort of siloed. And I think that's the greatest, I mean, we're looking at a generation of people who are individually becoming siloed, which is making us in a community more siloed. And clearly, even our denominations have become more solid with all the issues we are facing. So church planting and even sharing good gospel practices, things like ESL, Celebrate Recovery, uh, outreach to the homeless and poor in a particular area, has a way of creating hope and excitement in presbyteries and churches they really haven't considered in a long time. And I'm just surprised, and you're not surprised about this, Hunter, but I'm so surprised to go around and really be a catalyst for just saying, do you know what they're doing over in so-and-so and how God has brought salvation to these, these, these two couples from South America in a, in a church plant in, you know, Horn Lake or, or in Clinton, Mississippi. It, it's a, it's astounding. We are not talking more about and, and thanking God for all the good things he is doing, but, that's because we're morally, we're kind of postured and focused on fixing problems and negative things and not promoting the Great Commission, thinking positively, how might we join our arms, Philippians 1.5, being partners together in the gospel of the kingdom of God. So I think that's a big, we're so siloed and we have so much, a pastor has so much to worry about. And this is why I tell church planners all the time, please, you know, take your time disciple, evangelize, raise up, train a core group, because once you launch off to worship, there's no going back, right? So there's a whole nother season of ministry. And I think a lot of our churches need to think in reverse. How can we go back, find new people, reach out to them, see Christ, convert them, because we actually do believe that the elect of God. So Clint, if if I'm a part of a presbytery and I am interested in getting the ball rolling on planting and multiplying and renewing churches, what are some things that a network like yours can do that can come alongside us and help us to actually get this ball started rolling? Yeah, that's a that's a great uh, a very good question, Reed. I I think uh, you have to you have to be able to go call somebody. And who do you call, where do you go to find information? And my job is constantly collecting and talking and networking with people who are in the very same places of churches that are maybe in decline. I have a call tonight on that and want to think about how to either plant or replant the church. And then who, hey, if we wanted to plant, how would we go about doing that? What are the steps? 
because we have done this. We have particularized five or six churches in our presbyteries. We have six going on right now. And so we've, we've actually seen God work and use our presbyteries to accomplish that work. And each of those presbyteries maybe worked a little bit differently, but you need, a, you need somebody you can contact and get to know because, again, a chairman is a full-time pastor. Uh, all of our ruling elders and deacons are full-time working folks for the most part, except those maybe in retired years. And they don't know as many people as we know collectively as presbyteries who work together in church planning. It's amazing to me the 30 to 35 partner churches out of 135 churches in the Mid-South area who are able to talk and dialogue with one another in ways or hear things going on that a lot of churches don't. So they want to know more of how God is at work in different places. And then who, who can we find? What kind of guy do we need for this particular location? So the three, there's always three things in church planting, finding the location, finding a person and finding funding. A network help does all those three things. Let's find a guy who would fit the, fit the place. Let's find the location that we think would best serve that presbytery. And then how do we support them? And, and money, and what we've experienced, I know Hunter and I have talked about this, money is a piece of the equation, but there's so much more of right. prayer, support, and encouragement. When other churches are participating in this work, that church planter and his wife feel, oh, I'm a part of, I'm not just doing this by myself. I'm right. doing this with churches from Memphis sure. to the coast of Mississippi and to Baton Rouge and Lafayette. Yeah. To that point, our church plant, Trinity Church in a suburb of Memphis, uh, we're a part of the network. And I can expect, I mean, Clint and I are friends. We've known each other for a long time. But as a part of the network, I can expect a call from Clint about every week or every other week just checking on me regarding how I'm doing emotionally, spiritually, and that's a big deal because the first church I planted, I did not have anything like that. And you, although this is the second time and I feel like I have a bit more experience, I still need Clint calling me on a weekly basis. Um, that's significant. That's important. And that's just one tiny aspect of what a network can do to help churches and to help presbyteries. Clint, we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are not necessarily PCA. They may not even be Presbyterian. In our denomination, we have, or I've heard that we have around 30 networks, but they are all different shapes and forms. Yeah. Can you explain what different networks can look like around the country and just use, I guess, our denomination as an example? Yeah, there's even, yes, within our own denomination, I think there's 30 to 35 different types of networks and kinds and how they function. And some are much more of a funding resource. Some are more support, uh, some are more collegial than others, depending on the area and the people who started networks or promote them. We, as you know, began in the Mid-South, really in you know, a presbytery expanded it to four presbyteries to increase the partnership and vision for church planting across our Mid-South region. But we even moved from more of a funding model to more of a support model. So I raise my funds as a ministry coordinator, more than half my 40 to 50% of my funds come from other individuals and people who are supporting me to do the work. And then those partner churches 
uh, give donations to the network to help me do my job, which, as you've noted, Hunter, I do a lot of coaching, a lot of counseling uh, with our church planters and, and, and even some of their friends beyond that uh, in, in their spaces. I have conversations with planters and their friends in the spaces they're planting with people they're getting to know. So our work really in the Mid-South has been focused on uh, coaching. Uh, I think we've tried to use the three C's, coaching, cohorts, and catalyst. The coaching thing we believe leads to successful church planting. Numerically, I read at Presbytery, uh, by the grace of God, um, you know, in our Mid-South region, we have a 69% success rate in planting. Now, I think a lot of those metrics could be measured out in different ways, but for the most part, that's still above the denominational average, uh, which is about 67%, I think is the data that I saw. Uh, I think a large part of that is because we do know one another and are trying to support the work of church planting in a collegial coaching kind of way. And then the cohorts that we're trying to develop really are leadership pipelines. It's very hard to raise up and, and good networks have figured this out, particularly those in Florida and Drew Bennett, who leads that good friend and a, and a good leader, they realize that raising up church planters in an area is key. Josh and I have talked about this. If we're going to raise up more church planters in Lafayette in a very growing large section of Louisiana, we don't need a guy from Indiana. We need a guy, we need a guy from Baton Rouge or Lafayette or New Orleans. So that, that cohort is really leadership pipeline training and encouragement. And the catalyst thing is, is my role but it's really the role of all of us to promote obedience to the Great Commission. It is, as I've often said, the woman at the well becomes the catalyst for the whole uh, region of Sychar and the Samaritan people who, who met this man named Jesus who knew everything uh, about her and he loved her. So that's the catalyst part. The gospel is the catalyst, but people carrying that good news to each other, even in the network, is very, very important. I think there, there are many different kinds of networks. Um, so you have like in Atlanta, a church that's creating a church planting movement. You have, you have sometimes just a couple churches who work together in a presbytery or an area and, and, and geography, and, and they promote the work. And then in our Mid-South Church Planting Network, we are promoting the work of church planting across four regions or areas of, of the Mid-South. But there are many, many different ways and many multiple cities have sometimes collaborated, especially if you talk to Robert Kim, who is now the Covenant Seminary church planting uh, professor who is leading church planting tracks for our denomination and raising up uh, hopefully comp competent, capable church planters. He was a network leader prior to that, and he was able to connect cities and resources together in, in ways that it wouldn't probably work in the Mid-South, but in that in that area and what he was able to do, he was able to connect a lot of people and resources together. So each area, each, each area is really different. No matter what denomination you're in, everybody recognizes that how you do that work together can be very different. And it usually takes just a few people to create change and to promote good gospel work. Thank you, uh, Clint. I, um, Look, it's it's easy for me to understand the the benefits of of networks and to uh, and to to having experienced the benefits of this Mid South network um, through your uh, well originally uh, Hunter's uh, leadership when I first came on board here and then as he stepped back and you stepped forward your 
uh, your constant uh, kind of care for me and, and coaching and uh, support, uh, encouragement, prayers, those kinds of things. I, I understand the benefits of the network. Uh, you know, when we look up and talk about, you know, the value of a network and the things it offers, it's an easy, it's an easy sell for me uh, kind of walking through that. But I also know there are some challenges uh, that come uh, with uh, your network, planting churches and, and, and working amongst presbyteries and other churches and doing this. What are some of the biggest challenges you uh, face uh, as a network coordinator uh, in working with, uh, you know, presbyteries and churches to plant churches uh, in this region? Yeah, thanks, Josh. Very good question. And even as you transitioned from Hunter to me, we had to do something very important, and that was to build trust, to build a bridge of trust because of the gospel, and because of the mission that God demands because of the gospel. So the biggest things that church planners face is who can I trust? Who can we process, talk to, think through mission? And I would say the biggest challenge I have is building trust with people. And without trust, Without gospel, goodwill, trust, the journey is over, not to quote a, uh, a line from a book. So we, we need to constantly build trust and good practices. And I think church planting can help do that when we all work together. And I do think presbyteries or areas or regions or churches who plant churches, daughter churches, how they do that, they do really begin to celebrate this is a part of theirs, right? And I do think when that trust takes place, there is a chance for really cheerleading, hope, optimism that God is going to use broken people like all of us in all of our churches. No perfect church. No one church can represent fully the mission of the kingdom of God in any area. So we have to work together. But in this day and age, with all that's gone on culturally, trust is the largest uh, gift, commodity, uh, need that we have to have in all of our churches, but even particularly in our regions and particularly working with our church planters. And church planters just need a safe place for they, their wives to gather to think through. There's just unique things to church planting that's not the same. And uh, pastors have been pastors for 25, 30 years, come up to me all the time. I could never church plant, but I'm thankful we got, we have church planters in this work that's going forward because they know it's very front lines, difficult ministry. And we want to support that through trust. Yeah. I, you know, when I, you know, when we get to Lafayette, it was very much a parachute plant. We knew one uh, family when we got here and, you know, church planting can often be a lonely place and uh, having someone, uh, that you can call who could provide resources for you, provide resources for your spouse, uh, encourage, come alongside of somebody that you know and trust, uh, which was really easy in the beginning with Hunter because we had worked together for so many years at Madison Heights, planning a church, and then uh, having known you as well um, uh, for, for many years as well, it was easy to build that you know rapport with you as well. But yeah, the invaluable nature of that is is huge, but it's hard sometimes for you got established church pastors oftentimes saying I couldn't do your work. And, um, and I'm like, well, then you don't, you don't have to, <laughs> um, but you can, you can support those uh, who are, who are supporting us in that work and understand the value of what they bring to the table. And I think that's a, a big thing for networks and for churches who are working alongside other networks uh, to understand the real value of what networks bring to the church planner. Who's in many ways kind of on the front lines, uh, you know, charging ahead, fighting alone. It's a huge resource. And I've been grateful for, for your ministry in that. 
Yeah, and, and, and to speak to that as well, I think what you're saying is so important because it's it's not just you, Josh, the church planter. It's your wives. It's your children. It's your family. Nobody, you don't get to church plant as a, a silo again. It's an organic community, a family working with other families. So right now, uh, I'm thankful that that Emily Hartman is meeting with several church planting wives and pastors' wives. They flew in a speaker to help them think through their role in supporting and loving their husband as the church planter and their families in those particularly difficult places and sharing the highs and lows, the brokenness and the joys and the celebration. So that's going on. And I think that builds trust. And I think Chris Vogel is helping us build trust with these cohorts that allow us to have bigger conversations than what we may be having just in our local church context. So trust is everything. And I hope that, that these women will come back refreshed, encourage their husbands in the work ahead and celebrate the privilege they have as being church planting wives. And if you, as a network leader, but also as a former church planter, campus minister, you also served on staff of a large church in our denomination. You have lots of experience. You have a lot of good words for church planters. But if a, a pastor of a church, established church, has never planted, came to you and just ask why church planting is important, what would you say off the cuff? Yeah, I would, I would ask him, well, first I would say, obviously you know that I think church planting is important, but why do you think church planting is not important? And maybe we begin there with some of the presuppositions that he may have, and maybe some of the, the misunderstandings. I, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding what church planting is and what dynamics are, because we don't see a lot of it per se. There are lots of areas that plant a lot of churches, and then they they kind of swell and shrink. But in our world, in our denomination, it takes a long time to get things going. And I just, we, we you know, in, in all the areas we're talking about, we haven't seen a lot of church planting. So muscles have atrophied. And I would say church planting encourages local churches to participate in a bigger, uh, a bigger kingdom investment than just their local church. Because any church, any one church can't plant the church generally unless you're a large resource church. But even then, I've argued vehemently that all kinds of churches and sizes need to participate in church planting because of the things they will learn, the stories that will be heard, and the resources that can be gathered kind of on the front lines, sort of like reconnaissance, right? We begin to learn about a place and area that may be changing at a faster rate than we ever imagined. And it's surprising church planners bring that information to, to some of our meetings. Like, I had no idea that was going on in that so-and-so neighborhood or in this locale. Wow, we need to think bigger. And so hopefully that sort of maybe standoffish pastor, we would invite into a larger conversation to meet people who are benefiting from it, but also why would he not want to be involved as a pastor praying for and encouraging church planting through his, his local church? Clint, uh, man, we, we so appreciate you uh, being with us uh, today. Uh, I was looking forward uh, to our time together today uh, because I always look forward uh, to time getting to, to talk with you, especially about our favorite topic and, and church planning and, uh, and additionally uh, networking uh, and networks. Uh, it's been, like I said, an invaluable resource to me. You've been an absolute blessing to me and to my, my wife. Uh, uh, she is grateful for your ministry to her as well. And 
So I uh, can't thank you enough for being with us today. Uh, thank you for taking that time. And it's been an absolute joy. Thank you guys for your work in promoting the gospel good news and, and the things that are going on around us. We should celebrate. And I think this podcast is directed at doing just that, equipping and encouraging men and women to be faithful to the, the Great Commission. So thank you guys. That's the last word for now. As always, you can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time.